Hello and welcome to the W2 Football Podcast. Uh, today's episode, we got a bit of a change up in pace. We've been mostly talking about the NFL recently, but today we're going to talk about something very, very big and potentially having like impact across the nation for college football. And that is the situation going on with the Pac-12. The Pac-12 players have basically come out and made a list of demands that they want met and say they will not play unless they get what they're asking for. It's an interesting move, in all honesty, and I think... I think it's the perfect time to pull it. Yes, I, I agree, especially with the the dangers that they could they can kind of guise this under. Of look, if it's going to be this dangerous, then we need actual compensation here, and here's our list of demands, and we want it for extended period of time. So, speaking of those demands, the players have demanded that they receive safety precautions for the ongoing pandemic. Uh, adequate testing for the virus, medical insurance for six years after eligibility ends, the ability to make money off of their names, images and likenesses, as well as 50% of each sport's total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports. Is that, is that's all of the demands or is there any more that we should be aware of? That is all the ones I can find. Okay, fair enough. So, what are your what are your what are your opinions on? Do you think this is? Do you think what they're asking for is fair at face value right now? At face value, where it is, I think it's a bit much in some aspects, but most of it, I feel, is fair to ask for. Um, there are a few that I would I I think I think the players are playing this smart. And there are ones that I think they overshot on purpose. Well, yeah, that that makes sense. So let's break it down um, demand by demand. Let's do it that way. Yeah, so starting with the safety precautions for the pandemic, I mean, that's just par for the course. They need that. That is is bare minimum. That has to be on. And it's six years of after leaving college, right? Six years after their eligibility ends. Meaning, your four years of eligibility for playing in your sport, once that ends, whether you were redshirt and that gave you five years, once that ends, you have six years after that. So let me put it in perspective, because I don't... This is, to me, this makes a lot more sense after you look at it further. That's ten years of... Uh, well, 11 if you want to go redshirt, right? Yeah. It's not unheard of of people staying on their par- parents' insurance until they're 25, 26. Like that. So quite often uh, when we are when people are bargaining for um, for their um, health insurance coverage, that uh, that's where it ends. So if you're working like they are, it, it makes sense to, to have the cutoff point be in a similar range as if they were on their parents' health insurance. And from another standpoint, I I like the demand here because 
what we tend to think of when we see these demands is the major players, the the big names who are going to get drafted and go into the NFL. And the reality is that demand is not for them. That demand is for the players who aren't. Yes. And, and especially being able to hide it, not hide it. Sorry, that that, that sounds a little like that sounds a little sketchy. But this is, I believe, this demand. It was what prompted the. You know what? While we're discussing um, college compensation, let's let's address this. Let's put it all on the table. Well, so this is the first demand to me is is the springboarding off of the COVID situation. Yes, makes sense. It's a great starting point. And then going, you know what? While we're talking compensation, let's put everything else on the table, and that's where this all this really started. Because now they have leverage. This is the first time collegiate players have ever really had a lot of leverage. To be honest. And and on uh, and on another note, I I think it's important to point out. I mean, there have been points in college football, specifically, where a player has um, a player has gotten injured playing for the team. And his coverage stopped covering him because he could no longer play. Career-ending, I'm talking career-ending injuries, which are rare. But there there was um, one whose name escapes me, played for Ohio State. He had a career-ending injury playing playing a game for the university. But was it the running was, back? I think so. I'm, Lattimore, I think it was? I don't remember honestly i just remember the details not the names but the point is he basically was no longer covered after he got a career-ending injury because he was no longer able to play and his insurance was his basically his health coverage was tied to his ability to play so this is this is a huge thing to me and that's why i think that one actually is perfect where it is um, but it, but I, I do agree with you. I think it's, I think it's great. They started with the pandemic. They started with the virus testing, and then this was the springboard into the next phase. And that next phase comes with money. And to be fair, I've always thought it was dumb for a college athlete to not be able to make money off of their own name and image and likeness. Just because they're yeah. playing a sport for your university does not mean they sign over their likeness to you to make money off of alone. I mean, it. let me rephrase that. It shouldn't mean that. Yeah, I was going to say. It did. Basically, if you didn't go to the NCAA, anyone with perspective wanting to be a pro, which let's be real here, I'm sure a lot of that's a lot of football players' dreams, especially when they go to the big name schools which fall under the, uh, um, the NCAA umbrella, they... They want to play football. This is their one way to do it. So they were they were very much they didn't have much choice, and that's what the XFL was almost supposed to supplement, if I remember correctly. Part of it was being that semi pro, uh, not not college thing. And now that that's fallen through, we're back to being NCAA being the only thing uh, pending anything that happens with the XFL uh, with its with it being sold. Yes, for a steal to the Rock, but that's. <laughs> Yeah, okay. It'll be interesting to see where they go with it. But as of right now, there's nothing. Like, for all intents and purposes, there's really nothing. There's no other way to the NFL except through the NCAA. And so, a lot 
there's not a lot of leverage there, and they were be they were slaves to the past bargaining agreements, and now almost literally slaves. Like they, they they didn't really get much. They got oh, you got college tuition and experience, but you know you also lose that if you get injured, and you we're not going to pay for your injury clause either. And also, you well, can't and, come back to school because you can't to, afford the push now. Like you, see, like ew. You and know there's, what I mean? there's another. There's another point I I want to bring up here is, I am not advocating for uh, incentive based things. Like if people were given cars to play better or monetary things to do better in games, that is still that in my opinion should still be out. But you also, by allowing them to make money off of their own image, their own names, their own likenesses, eliminate a lot of that. Because Someone should be able to monetize their own merit. And Exactly. And in all honesty, there will still be people who try to buy things for players. That is... That is going to happen, but I think if you have the players able to make money off of themselves... Then you run into less of that. You run well, yeah, into but... less less players taking that. And I, I it's it's really true. So right now, there's almost this wink and a nudge agreement across everybody, which is hey, 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 you know, we all kind of do this, right? I think these kids ain't got nothing. Like we're so there's a little bit of a we we throw a little bit their way, you know. Now that's on top of the table. You have control it because now you can be saying, "Look, this is what you're getting, and you, this is what we agreed to, and you're looking for something that is not sanctioned." Which uh, most everything at this point, from what their demands read, is, is within reasonable amount. Anyone looking past that, like for like boosters and stuff like that, now you're looking at. Okay, we can actually crack down this now because we can't say you're not getting nothing. And the because right now the public opinion is th- these kids are going to get compensated under the table. But now they can be like, all right, now you're just being greedy. And now uh, if they did punish somebody like Reggie Bush, there's going to be much less public backlash for doing so. Well, and and I agree. I think this is the perfect climate for them to do this. It's not gonna be enough. there's not gonna be a better time than right now. There isn't. And but moving on to the last point they brought up, the fifty percent of the sports of each sports total conference revenue, evenly among athletes in their respective sports. That one it's not that I think that that's unreasonable when you look at the numbers. In fact, the number of athletes on each team far outweighs the uh, where the rest of the money would be going, the number of people it would be going to. So, putting that out there, I think this was clearly and deliberately done by the players. This was one of those shoot high so that you get... This was ask for 50 so that we can hope to get 20, I think. Yeah, it's like, hey, the NCAA looks at this like, hey, we'll give you one and two, but we can't give you three. And they'll be like, ah, fine, I guess, when in reality, they were certain for, searching for point one and two. Exactly. And, and, if, and with this one, I think if they get if they get 20% of the sports total conference revenue, 
for for the athletes, that's still a very good portion of money, especially for these larger schools like USC and and uh, Alabama. Or sorry, I'm sticking strictly to pa- to Pac-12, USC, Cal, Washington, Washington State. Those schools, uh, Utah, they're gonna their their players are gonna see a pretty nice sum yeah terms, like it, at just 20 percent um so, not not enough to not enough to compare to being in the nfl but but it still would be i think reasonable so i have a couple points i want to make mm-hmm. so one if this is going if they do manage to even get this point to stick like let's let's assume they don't they get one point one point two and point three, but point three I don't think ever sees the light of day unless the revenue makes up for the uh, like I've mentioned this while we we're off there, but their tuition it has to the revenue they are making per player has to eclipse the average tuition. Of um, what they're covering with their uh, with their scholarships, per and that's done on a per player basis. So, for example, walk on players would actually get cash, and in theory, that would go towards the tuition. So they're almost essentially earning that scholarship back. But everyone else, eh, not so much. That they because that's the yeah. So like someone the, on a full ride would get would have to put the money they would be getting towards that full ride. Like they would like the the revenue that would get a. That they would have gotten would have their tuition have to be subtracted out of it. I I don't see so that that way anything they make past that is money in the bank, which I don't I don't think any player like if someone said hey by the way you're getting a thousand dollar bonus this year, that's essentially what it would boil down to being. You know what I mean? Let's say Pac-12 does exceedingly well in their bowl games this year. That's their bonus. That's their Christmas bonus. It would also that's, solve the issue see a being. lot of people have had with. Uh, players opting out of bowl games because exactly if you if you opt out of the bowl game you're basically telling your friends hey i don't care about the money you you're gonna get i can see the and that was the next but another part is i can see this almost being no you're not getting revenue but you guys whoever wins the bowl games in the conferences that money will be split not not weekly revenue or the tv revenue but the bowl game revenue will and that wouldn't include, I guess in this world, this wouldn't include tuition um, split. This would be, this is your, like you get, you guys now, it's, now you just get, let's say, 20% of whatever your conference's bowl, bowl split. Let's say you guys made $200 million. I don't know. I really don't know the numbers. Let's say they made $200 million, the conference in the bowl games. That gets split amongst all the players. You're looking at several granted to a lot of players that makes a lot of difference especially the ones that don't have the nfl aspirations or aren't going to be doing anything you know like there 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 is a different life than life of football after college exactly now uh, one thing i want to point out here is um just to just to point out how big of a bargaining chip these players have the the players are t- saying if demands are not met, they will not play. Which sounds weird, but 
to quantify that for the league revenue for the Pac-12 is about $530 million. So with every player saying they will refuse to play, that is a huge hit to the conference. Huge hit. Well, the conference wouldn't be able to function, so it's just... Money down the drain for well, that's, NCAA, but that's, but that's what I'm saying. It's like the conference would literally probably dissolve because of that. And in all honesty, that is the that is the depth of their bargaining chip here. Now, granted, they're not. This is not the first time players at the collegiate level have pulled this maneuver, but it, it is the biggest scale that it has happened on. I mean, yeah, it's an was, entire um, conference. I think 2015, um, if the art, it's up in the article here. Yeah, in 2015, uh, Missouri had uh, was protesting how the president of the university had handled complaints about racism, and 30 of the football players threatened to boycott the team's game against BYU, which would have cost the school one million dollars. And when they said they wouldn't play and the rest of the team followed suit as well as head coach, they immediately got a response from the president. And they they got things changed. So it's happened before. It's just it's never been an entire conference that has banded together like this. Yeah, this is it's it's quite impressive because a lot a lot of the times when these things go awry because of lack of um Lack of support within the community. Well, just everyone getting on the same page. Like, it's yeah. really hard to get, what? what is it? What is it, 78 players a team across 12 teams? Like, yeah, that's a lot of people. It's ridiculous. Like, this, Plus coaching in, in staff. Football, in football alone, I think there's like 60 a team. That's, in football alone, almost 700 people. Uh, I, it's definitely going to be more than that after you add coaches after you add uh, but it's it's, it's mostly the players is what I'm saying so just from a player standpoint yeah fair enough Uh, I'm going under the assumption the coach isn't going to be like isn't going to tell his players to screw off he's not supporting them so I'm assuming the coaching staff is going to follow suit because you know that's not something a coach would lose the locker room over I'm not willing to throw my nose into the fire like that. Um, so that now this this entire thing, this begs the next question. What if, because the assumption is if this falls through, everything kind of goes back to... Back to normal. Back to It's back to normal. normal. Like, nothing, nothing, nothing changes. There's no talking point. Now, let's go into the assumption this goes out. Like, the level doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if they get if they get point one and point two, don't get point three. So there's no extra money on the table for them. It doesn't matter. This goes through. What happens to future recruits? It, well, and I think that it, it honestly, the Pac-12 is going to get a leg up at first because if you're a recruit coming in and you can go to Alabama where you got Nick Saban. He, they're still going to pull in because people are still going to want to win championships. But all those other players are going to be like, look, I could go to I could go to Missouri and 
struggle to make ends meet. Or I could go to Colorado and at least get paid while I'm playing. Yeah, like top-end recruits. And, and top-end top, recruits. Top-end, mid-range, like, they're gonna... the At first, I think the pac is gonna have too many people trying to get in. They're gonna turn people away. That being said, what that means is that for the other conferences, the bargaining chip becomes bigger for the players. And they could potentially get more. It would it would basically create the Pac twelve would have this advantage and the other play the other conferences won't want them to keep that advantage, so they would start a competition between the conferences to try and have the best offerings. Here's what I think happens. This if Pac twelve this goes through. Something goes through. I foresee the NCAA getting together with the other conferences and putting together a complete package. Because here's the thing. By only letting Pac-12 do it, you are endangering a lot of competitive integrity and, that's, and, that's dis- and disinterest in the NCAA is one of the worst things that could happen to it. And that's that's actually a point I didn't even think about. That the NCAA would, if the Pac-12 caves, the NCAA will step in and be like, all right, look. They have to start moderating. If they don't, Every they're conference. throwing their own product down the toilet. Exactly. We need they they would come they would have to step in and even the playing field, not let the conferences set their own. Like I can foresee, you know, maybe Alabama still gets like three, four, or five star recruits, right? Mm-hmm. Those four star recruits, those three star recruits, where their NFL futures not quite as guaranteed. You're going to see a lot of them go, and some of they're going to go over to the Pac-12. Now, here's the thing, guys: not every five-star recruit becomes an NFL player. A lot of them are three stars, a lot of them are four stars, and those are the guys that are going to be going into the Pac-12. You're going to see a lot of those mid-range recruits that end up being stars rising to the top, and you're going to see the overall competition of the Pac-12 rise exponentially compared to the rest of the country. You're going to see maybe. Alabama stay relevant, Clemson stay relevant, maybe Penn State, Notre Dame, like those super high-end conferences. You're going to see them stay relevant for a bit. But the level of the, the competition of the Pac-12 is going to, I think, over a five-year span would end up steamrolling them. And then there's no would, good product out there. Potentially, It would potentially turn the Pac-12 into the next SEC. The next it wouldn't even, it conference. would be worse than that. It would turn into, all right, whoever wins the Pac-12 Conference Championship is all that matters because they're going to win the national title. So there's no point in watching any other games because none of them actually friggin' matter. And that's, that's A lot of people watch funny. the big ticket games. A lot of people only watch the Alabamas. A lot of people only watch the Clemsons. A lot of people only watch the Ted States, the Notre Dames, the LSUs. A lot of people only watch that. Not a lot of people watch Mizzou versus Ole Miss. Sorry, guys, if you're either one of those fans I apologize but you're you're not selling you're not selling TV rights the rest of them are and when all of it's isolated into one conference on one side of the country under one TV agreement it's going to create such a ridiculous lopsided oh yeah no, competition it would, it it's it would be atrocious it will be the other conferences won't matter it will become a 12 league team it will become a 12 team league that being said, I don't think 
the NCAA ever lets that happen. I, I agree, unless they're stupid. But here's the thing. I also didn't think the NFL would be stupid enough to flat out ignore COVID. Well, there is that. Well, we'll address that another time because we already addressed that last week. But you get the point. The point is these large organizations can drop the ball. That's the thing. If the NCAA drops this ball, though, it's a lot worse than the NFL dropping their ball. COVID is going to be... We will get through it eventually. It will happen eventually. But if the NCAA does nothing, this isn't going to be a like, three or four-year thing like COVID. It'll be a 10, 20-year thing. And because once it, once it, once programs are established and dominant, that carries out for a while. That's why part of the reason Alabama's been relevant for so long. Exactly. And it's it's like you've got you've got a situation here where like like we've said before, the whole world is watching. The whole college football world is watching what's going on in, in the Pac twelve right now. And so these next steps will literally lay the foreground for the college football system, for the NCAA for the next for for the foreseeable future at this point. And it's it's basically, honestly, in personal opinion, it's it's about time because the NCAA has been ignoring this because it's because they've been greedy, and now they've been they can't ignore it. And the thing is, there's a lot of built-in anger about this and angst towards this. That's why they were able to get so organized. Exactly. Like if if they had just given the names rights, like five six years ago. This wouldn't be happening. Do you think? Do you think this happens? Honestly, no. like maybe they argue for like they, they COVID argue coverage. for the COVID stuff, but I, I outside that's of that, it, right? No. But now the players are pissed. Now they're organized. Now it's mass organization. It's not spots here, there. It's not isolated groups. It's not this this small section of the Big Ten. This small section of the Pac-12. This small it's one giant union. It's a union at this a point. Union without a union, like it's it's bizarre. And the thing, <laughs> the, but the because it's almost the reason why unions exist is because it's almost impossible to get everyone on the same page. But and, and the NCAA screwed up so bad in order for so long, it managed to get to that point, and it's kind of awesome to see. So, in the interest of not beating a dead horse with a dead horse, um, we've pretty much covered most of this by now. Um, without getting into too many of the finer details on it, I think... What are your predictions? Like, honest-to-God honest predictions. I think the... Prediction-wise, I think the NCAA and the Pac-12 are not dumb enough to not cave into the COVID stuff. So they'll get the testing, the adequate testing and the pandemic response stuff. Hands down, they'll get those. I don't think they'll get the conference revenue yeah i think i I think that i think they'll get talked out of that in favor of the medical insurance i can see so my predictions personally is like medical insurance for for all eligibility years and maybe two years past and i I think yeah i do think that they come down on the number of years but yes and then I can see either being what I mentioned before when it comes to if there is any revenue touching at all would be um, very incentive laden and more toward gear towards bowl game success I because that would actually breed I think I don't know um, if uh, I would 
Well, I don't know if I think. I don't the, think I, I don't. I don't trust the uh, the conference or the NCAA to not be um, selfish. I don't. Think I, well, I don't think they'll let them touch any of the revenue. That being said, I think their com- their compensation for that would be the medical insurance and the ability to make money off of their own names. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I'm saying money off their own names is a foregone conclusion because that is that's if they revoke that, I see this getting way worse, way faster yeah. than if they revoked any other portion of this. Um, that being said, I think you might be surprised. I do think they'll end up... There's no way they're getting 50% of revenue. That's not happening. I can see them getting the Christmas bonus type thing. Like, maybe that. And not much of it. But that would be... And that's the top end of what I see them getting. So, pennies pennies in the bucket, honestly. Yeah. And, and I think... I think that in and of itself might not be desirable compared to what they're asking for but at the same time the other ones are much more important yeah agree I don't think I think the other two are going to get like I said uh, in conclusion I think I think they're going to get the name rights I think they're going to get like uh, eligibility years and two years post and then if there is a cherry on top it's going to be bowl game revenue related and split amongst the entire conference so everyone gets their a Christmas bonus. That's it. I, th- I think that's the top end of what we're looking at here. And, and I would agree. I think that is the very top end. I think it, I, personally, I think it's about the same, just minus any of the revenue. Yeah, you, your, your prediction is no revenue touched, period. Yeah. And I think that's more likely than what I'm saying. So, there but you go. With that said, we thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we'll have this posted for you as soon as we can. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace.